As I'm speaking, there are fires burning in the Amazon more than ever before, some big amount. And a lot of people are complaining about the horrors, what they see as horrors in the situation. Now, I don't know what caused the fires. Apparently, I'm sure some of them were started by lightning or accidentally. And I'm sure that some of them came from people starting them because they wanted to start farms and people have been doing that for a long time. Those people probably feel like they just want to make some money. They probably have to protect their family. It's for their work. It's for their business. And what does the whole world have to do with them? They just have to, they, you know, they have to make good for their family. I have a question. It's going to sound, for most people, it will sound accusatory. And I'm not asking it in an accusatory way. It may feel that way, but that's not my point. I'm asking the question because I really don't know the answer. What is the difference between them doing what they're doing, just the ones who are, if they're clear-cutting or if they're burning a fire to make a farm for themselves, for their family, for their livelihood, what's the difference between them doing that and someone who in this country says that they have to fly for work or that they have to fly because, you know, their mother lives in California or their husband is in France. So what else can they do? What is the difference between them doing something for their family and someone here doing it for, this, for their family? Because it looks to me like people here have a lot more options. They have a lot more wealth if you're flying around the world, if you're putting on the air conditioning all the time, when you're, oftentimes when you're at home. It feels like there's a lot of options, but people aren't exercising them. They feel like, oh, there's nothing I can, what can I do? My husband is in France. I must go see him. My mother's in California. What, what can I possibly do? I live in a place like Arizona where it's really hot. I must turn on the air conditioning all the time. From my, from my perspective, having changed my life significantly, having acted on the options that are available to me, I don't see the difference, except that people hearing my voice probably have a lot more options Someone please email me, josh at spodak.net, and let me know what's the difference. Why is what they're doing so much different? You know, they're raising, they're burning down trees. In principle, we could replant trees. Now, that doesn't get back the rainforest because it takes a long time for it to regrow into a rainforest. But as far as the CO2 is concerned, once those trees grow back, most of the CO2 will be back that they burn down. When we burn fossil fuels dug up from the ground, we can't just replant an oil field underground. That oil is back up in the atmosphere. You know, back up after 100 million years that has been down underneath. We can't just undo that. The way I see it, they are acting as part of the same system that we're all in, that everyone who participates in it is sustaining. But you can exit that system. Any of us can choose to exit that system. And one of the big things that gets me going so much is that my change has made my life so much better. And once I exit the system, I can look at it from the outside and see the values that I was just passively going along with and accepting them as if that's the way the world was. And when I change to my own values, clean air, clean water, clean land, I think these are values that we probably share. Or for that matter, away from the values, seeing from the outside, values of growth at all costs Growth, that's something that helps markets and GDP. It does not necessarily help people. And I know people, are, people want to knee-jerk say, a rising tide lifts all boats. Not if your boat is anchored to the, to the ocean floor, then a rising tide might sink your boat. In any case, and there's another big value that I see from the outside, which is externalizing costs. That's how things like this happen. That's how inequity happens. I'm not going to go into the details on that. But you can exit that system. And when you exit that system, you'll look at it from the outside and you will say, those values are not my values. I was living, they, they don't have to be universal values that we have to try to grow out of every problem when growth causes problems. When growth causes certain problems, more growth 
exacerbates the problems. Same with externalizing costs. You could instead enjoy what you have. You could instead take responsibility. You could steward your land, air, and water for other, other people and other generations. You can exit that system just like a smoker or heroin addict can. People who are addicted to heroin or cigarettes or alcohol or gambling or sugar, they're in systems too that support their habits. That's why stopping is hard. Their partners in crime keep them going. But just like a smoker or heroin, or heroin addict or whatever addict says, oh, they can't, but you know they can get out of it. So can you. And when you do, just like you know they will, you'll be glad that you did. You'll wish you had gotten out of that earlier. I talked to a family member of mine the other day, and I was talking about when was the last time he, why he quit smoking cigarettes. And he was very proudly said the day, the day to the date when he quit smoking, which was, I think, in the 80s. He was very proud of when he quit. I can tell you the day that I last flew. Well, I can't. It's March 23rd. Uh, 2016, I believe. I, I mean, I have it written down. I don't remember offhand like he does, but I know when it was. And I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't flown a plane since. I'm very proud of that. I'm very happy with that. Not because of some holier than thou. There's no moral something, any, anything involved here. Because I'm living by my values. Not, I don't mean any moralistic. I, what you do is your business. I'm trying to help if you believe in clean air, clean water, clean land. And those are important to you. And you believe that maybe these headlines have something going for them after decades of front page news that maybe you want to act on it. You're going to be glad that you did. And I'm not talking about just going without straws or forgoing a plastic bottle every now and then. I mean, something big, something or getting an electric car, something where you have to act, where you commit on your values. You're going to be so glad that you did, not just because you'll be glad to live by your values, not just because you'll stop having to twist you up or you're well, I don't know what's happening with you, but I predict that after you switch, you'll feel like I did. That you, you're, you're twisting yourself up inside, avoiding the feelings that you get when you're doing something that the front page news for decades is saying it's a big problem for the whole world. Are you interested in dropping your filthy habit and lead others, lead yourself and lead others to a cleaner way of stewardship? All right, I'm going to get serious here. And if I go down talking this way, I'm going to go, I'm going to go down talking this way. But people, this is going to make sense to some people, maybe not before they change. But do you think that we should hold back on honoring slave owners? People who used to own slaves that are now have their names on buildings or have their statues in parks, because a lot of people are saying we should take those things down. They could, well, someone could say, well, slavery was legal. Slavery was, a lot of people believed it was okay. Everyone else was doing it. It was normal. People were born into it. They didn't choose to do it. Or maybe you say, everyone knows slavery was wrong. No one wants to be a slave. It's 1850. The person says, and, and the person who owns the slaves, they say, but I'll lose my job. I'll lose my plantation. I'll lose my house. I won't be able to visit my family. Everyone else may does it. What would you say to someone in 1850 saying, if you felt, maybe you feel they should keep their slaves. Maybe you feel they, but let's say for the sake of argument, you're not someone who would support slavery, even if everyone around you did. What would you say? Would you say, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, your family, your livelihood. You keep the slaves. Everyone else should get rid of them. Oh, I wait, but everyone has family in, in the business and everyone has, has communities that are doing it and everyone will lose their jobs. Should all of them get, well, should you, would you just say to all of them, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I guess he, I see you, your family's involved and your job is involved. Okay, keep the slaves. Or would you say, get rid of them. Do you say you're hurting people and you know it? 
Do you, would you point out how future generations don't care about your excuses? They will spit on your grave and they will take your name down from the buildings of universities that you thought would honor you forever. Would you tell them that? Would you tell them that they will take down your statues from the parks? Do you want to be one of them? Do you want to be someone who just goes along with these things? Do you have any doubt that future generations will suffer from the actions of people who blithely fly around when they feel like it, who who air conditioning buildings in the summer down to like 60 something degrees? Maybe you say, well, I'm not actively doing those things. Most people back then weren't either. They were born into it. Do you say it's not as big? Do you say not as many people will be affected? Projections are for hundreds of millions of climate refugees, maybe billions. Maybe those numbers of deaths, of people dying early, people suffering. Let's try something. Let's try a different tack. Let's try a different approach. It's 1937. They're rounding up Jews, gypsies, gays. You know the list. Do you look the other way and just go along with society as it is in German society? Why do we make movies about Schindler and not the Germans who went along in denial? Which group do you want to emulate? The Schindlers or the people who just went along with things? Because, oh, it'd be very difficult. They have to move away. Do you want to lead Or do you want to hope that future historians don't notice your compliance? Or how long do you want to act like the headlines aren't for the same earth that you share when you see those fires going in the Amazon? If you're releasing similar amounts of greenhouse gases, where do you come from? I'm really wondering, where do you come from in saying that? I'm not saying you have to go to zero. I don't think anyone can go to zero. But we can change a lot more than we are. We are at per capita among the most polluting ever and most greenhouse gas emitting. What would it take to change? What would it take to embrace wanting to change? My main message is not to try to raise awareness. You're plenty aware. Everyone's plenty aware. The only people who are not plenty aware, because if you've read a headline, if you've read more than a few headlines in the past several years, you know what's going on. The only people who don't know what's going on are people so distant from any printing press or any internet connection that they're off in the wilderness in the middle of some, you know, very far away from any, any cities and they're not polluting anything. So anyone who, anyone who knows, anyone who hears my voice, you're plenty aware. No aware, awareness need be raised. My questions are not accusatory, but really curious. What would it take? But I don't want to obscure my message, which is that when you act, when you seriously commit to how we have to live, if we want to, to sustain human society, you will wish that you acted earlier. You will love it. You will enjoy it. I know... If you tell a kid who's eating a bunch of Ben and Jerry's that they're going to like broccoli, they're going to spit broccoli back out again and say this tastes like sawdust. When you're deep into what's feeding your addiction, not that feels like a loss. When you tell someone who takes heroin that they're going to prefer earning a living and they're going to prefer doing exercise and eating healthy, they're going to tell you, are you joking? They're going to say, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about in terms of what heroin feels like. I've never felt it. I have no idea. Well, I mean, I have some idea because I've read, but I've never felt it. But I know this. People who stop doing it prefer it after, you know, after they really get out of it. They prefer earning a living. They prefer having relationships based on trust and caring and mutual support and things like that. So when you seriously commit to how we have to live, when we, to, if we want to sustain human society, you will wish that you had done it earlier. You will be overjoyed that you did it. You will look back at what you used to do with disgust. I speak this from experience because I loved Doritos. I loved Chicken McNuggets. I loved soda and ice cream. And I loved traveling all over the world. And now I look at those things. 
believe me, you will feel, you will be glad when you look at those things with disgust. When I pick up a piece of trash every day, today, just walking to catch a bus, I picked up probably 10 pieces of trash just because they were directly in my path. As I pick them up, I feel cleaner for picking up other people's dirt than if I walk past it. And I can tell you that makes it a lot easier not to buy garbage, not to buy packaged food. People wonder, oh, how do you do it? Pick up some garbage. Pick up other people's garbage. Take responsibility. Steward the land, the oceans, the air. Pick up some other people's garbage. I guarantee you're going to feel cleaner afterward. A friend of mine, she was like, oh, I'm a germaphobe. I can't pick that stuff up. So she decided to bring some gloves. I talked to her after a little while of her picking up trash every day. I said, how did it go? She said, oh, it was really great. I said, what about the glove stuff? Second day she went out, she forgot her gloves. And she was like, the first day was such a great experience that she said, I got over the germophobia. I just decided to pick the stuff up without the gloves. Years of wondering or years of stopping herself went away just by the experience. When you act, when you feel that joy, when you feel cleaner for picking up other people's garbage than for passing it by, you'll do more. You'll enjoy it. Who do you look up to? Gandhi, Thoreau, Martin Luther King, Schindler, Spartacus, or the schmucks who enjoyed their comfort that these people had to work against? I'm going to quote the letter from Birmingham jail. I'm going to quote it at length. If you don't know the story, Martin Luther King was nonviolent, doing, conducting nonviolent civil disobedience in Birmingham. He got put in jail. And while he was there, he wrote a letter to people outside. And here's what he says. Oh, and okay, so this is about race relations and uh, white moderates. And you can substitute for race relations, greenhouse gas emissions. And for white moderates, I guess you could say people who say, I understand and I want to act, but I just can't do it just yet. But I'm with you. I'm I'm glad I support. I'm glad that you're doing it, Josh, but I'm not going to quite do it myself. So here's the letter from Birmingham jail. This is Martin Luther King speaking or writing. I must make two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the past few years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to, quote, order, unquote, than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, quote, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, end quote, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time, and who constantly advises Negro, the, the Negro to wait for a quote, more convenient, um, a, quote, more convenient season, end quote. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. That was one paragraph. The next paragraph, he says, I'd hoped that the white moderate would understand that law and order exist for the purpose of establishing justice, and that when they fail this purpose, they become the dangerously structured dams that block the flow of social justice. I'd hoped that the white moderate would understand that the, pre- that the present tension in the South is a necessary phase of the transition from an, of an, from an obnoxious negative peace in which the Negro passively accepted his unjust plight to a substantive and positive peace in which all men will respect the dignity and worth of the human personality. Actually, we who engage in nonviolent direct action are not the creators of tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. We bring it out in the open where it can be seen and dealt with, like a boil that can never be cured so long as it is covered up, but must be opened with all its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light. Injustice must be exposed with all the tension its exposure creates to the light of human conscience and to the air of national opinion before it can be cured. 
So that was Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail. Obviously, huge differences between civil rights and climate action. Huge differences. What about the similarities? When you look at the fires in South America, do you have a pro- maybe you don't have a problem with it. If you don't have a problem with it, I don't know what to say. If you have a problem with it, what's the problem with it? Is it that people are doing something that's hurting everyone? Are we doing that ourselves? Yes, we ha- life means we have to use some energy. We have to create some entropy. There's no way around that. But the amounts that we in the United States or wherever you are listening to this almost certainly are way higher than necessary. Not only that, making you probably unhappy in the way that people who are addicted are unhappy. Oh, but you live in the desert and you need air conditioning or you live in the suburbs and you have to drive. Do I have to spell this out? You have to move. You have to change your behavior. We can't keep living this way. A relative of mine lived for 18 months in a hole hiding from Nazis. Read about the Great Migration North in the United States. Migration happens all the time. My ancestors came to the United States to escape persecution. I changed my life plenty. Oh, and people look at me and say, oh, it's so easy for you to make those changes. Is it? Was it? I'm very happy that I changed. I'm glad that I did. I wish I'd done it earlier. That doesn't mean it was easy, but I'm glad I did. Actually, you can do it too. It, I will grant the first 5% are pretty, it was pretty challenging. The next 70%, pure life improvement. You'll be so glad you did. I don't know how to explain. I, I can't really explain this because it's something you have to experience, but it's really big how much more you will like it. Other nations look to the United States for leadership, less so now than before, like during the Marshall Plan and times like that, but still they look to us, certainly culturally, if not politically. We are leading. That's why they're cutting down their rainforests. They are following our behavior, our factory farming, our flying, our overconsumption, our material junk, our cutting down our forests, our per capita greenhouse emissions, our per capita pollution, our buying what they cut the rainforests down for. Do you get that environmentally, Trump represents nearly every American, likely you? There are a lot of different issues out there. I want to talk about different ones. But as far as the environment is concerned, when he pulled out of the Paris Agreement, I heard criticism all around. Every person that I heard criticize him themselves are over Paris recommendations for per capita emissions. That means as far as they could, they pulled out of that agreement as well. Do you single-use plastic? You vote for Trump every time that you use single-use plastic unnecessarily. What do you think pays for all that fracking? Fracking gets turned into plastic too. You vote from every time you use the air conditioning below 72 degrees or when you're not home. So many people leave the air conditioner on because for 30 seconds it would take to, I don't know, for a couple minutes it would take for the air conditioner to cool, to cool down in their apartment. They turn it off when they're out. What do they think that money's going for? It's going to the people to drill for more. And if you think, oh, well, I changed mine so I get my power from some solar or some wind, it's the same grid. Don't kid yourself. You're still subsidizing the same stuff, the same wars for oil. When you fly, if you're obese, if you're using AC all the time, if you're flying at your whim, they're following you, these people who, ch- who burn down the rainforests. We can lead them the other way as well. Schindler risked his life. You can just eat vegetables. You can go camping next vacation. There are a million other options. And when you do them, as I said, you will be glad that you did. And just as sure as we're leading them to follow us to burning things down, to chopping down rainforests, as we have chopped down our forests, as we overconsume, as we do all those things, we can lead them the other way. You know who's being one of the great global leaders right now? 
a 16-year-old autistic girl from Sweden. A 16-year-old has become a major global leader simply by doing what a couple of us are doing. It's like not flying. She got global headlines showing that anyone can do what she did. There's nothing special about her except that she simply didn't fly. She simply said no. Kind of like a Rosa Parks of today. You can sell your stuff if, if it's so hard to move, if it's so hard to do things. You can sell your stuff. You can move. I just finished reading a book by Joshua Becker. He's been, he's, I, interviewed, I interviewed him for the podcast. He's got a minimalist blog. Uh, sorry, the podcast isn't up yet. It's in the editing pipeline, but you'll get to hear it eventually. But check out his book, The More of Less. It's about getting rid of stuff, and it's transformative how much getting rid of stuff improves your life. Spending more time with family, spending more time with your passions and getting in touch with yourself and learning more about yourself. And when you do that, you want to do it more. So I highly recommend his book. I highly recommend listening to the podcast episode when it comes out. It's transformative. It's liberating. And it's there for the taking for any of us. A better life by nearly everyone's standards. I'm almost certain that if you listen to my voice right now, by your standards, your life will be better for getting rid of all that stuff. For, not feeling, for, for exiting the system that says growth, 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 having more stuff, flying all the time is you know, an unparalleled good. Yes, there are benefits to it. I'm not going to lie. I lived that. I wish I'd changed earlier, and you will too. This is stewardship. Very few people take responsibility for how they hurt others and, and reducing that hurt and then regret that they'd done that. Possibly no one. This is a turning point in history. Is this clear? Is this not obvious to everyone? This is a turning point in history. Never before have we had the entire globe. I don't have to tell you. You know the situation. This is a turning point in history. Generations of non-stewardship laid it in our laps. Yeah, it would be nice if we didn't live at a time like this where we could just be comfortable blithely not caring or imagining this, this situation wouldn't happen. But it's clear. We all know it. It's been this way for a long time. And all the things that anyone, whatever you're thinking that's keeping you back, that's the thinking that got us here. That thinking will not get us out. And when you get out of it, you'll be so happy that you did. You'll be glad that all the challenges that you face now, that you get over. So go look at the pictures of the burning forests in the Amazon and ask yourself, what am I doing? Am I doing something similar? Those trees can be replanted. I don't know if there's no practical way to get the carbon dioxide out of the air back into the oil fields where we took it out from. In some ways, it's worse what we're doing than what they're doing. It's a precious rainforest. It's also precious atmosphere. We're polluting it. We don't have to. All right, that's it for now. This is my view on the rainforest and how, what prompts us to act. We could lead them to stop doing that, but we're leading them to do that. We're paying for it. We're, and even if we're not directly, most of, many of us probably are directly paying for some stuff from there. But if we're not, we're still sustaining a system, and that system is the problem with its goals of growth and externalizing costs instead of enjoying what you have and, taking, and stewarding, taking responsibility for how your behavior affects others. Let's enjoy what we have or even have less, and let's steward the world that we share. Let's take responsibility for how our behavior affects others. The bigger, the better when you like it.